You're listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Welcome. The goal of TC Podcasts is to spread the knowledge and accumulated experience of global leaders, experts, and world-renowned specialists in financial supervision and regulation. In each episode, we'll delve into some of today's most pressing issues as it relates to financial supervision and regulation. The financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Ah, hello everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Toronto Centre's virtual webinar series on supervision post-COVID-19. Today we have 150 registered attendees for this webinar from 38 different countries. Uh, My name is Clive Brailt and I'm the chair of Toronto Centre's Banking Advisory Board. And with us today, our distinguished panelists are Pai Hong Mok, Executive Director from the Monetary Authority of Singapore, and Alejandra Olivares Casorina, who's General Director, Methods and Procedures for Supervision at the National Banking and Securities Commission of Mexico. Uh, so welcome to Pai Hong and Alejandra. Uh, it's great to have you with us today. Managing through the pandemic and adjusting to the new normal has not been easy for financial supervisors. Uh, As its contribution to this effort in late September, Toronto Centre published the most comprehensive practical and cross-sectoral guide to supervision in the COVID-19 world with input from a wide range of supervisory authorities and standard setters. Uh, I do encourage you to, to read it and we'll put up a link to it in the chat function in a moment. The COVID-19 outbreak has accelerated the trend towards the increased use of technology and digitization within the financial sector. Uh, Most people expect this shift to continue and not to be reversed. The business model of financial institutions is going to become more digitally based as they accelerate the adoption of technology. But meanwhile, a combination of these general trends and the constraints on undertaking on-site visits to supervised firms uh, has increased the pressure on supervisory authorities to adapt their own supervisory practices with the help of technology, uh, what is known as supervisory technology or subtech. And today we're going to focus on this use of technology to improve the effectiveness of supervision. Uh, We do very much intend to leave time for your questions uh, towards the end of this webinar, so do please use the Q&A tab on your Zoom page to submit your questions. Uh, And finally, by way of introduction, I would like to thank the key sponsors of Toronto Centre, namely Global Affairs Canada, Swedish CEDA, the IMF, Jersey Overseas Aid, uh, USAID and Comic Relief. And I'd also very much like to thank uh, Janet Kanachka and Diana Bird of Toronto Centre who have worked so hard to bring you this quality seminar. But let's begin uh, with, the, with the questions and answers. Uh, and let's start, if we may, uh, with you, Pai Hong, uh, and ask the question, you know, what are supervisors hoping to achieve through the increased use of technology and data? Thank you, Clive. 
Um, maybe I'll start with a few introductory remarks and uh, we'll dive right in. Technology is indeed transforming the financial sector. Technology has always featured in financial services, but in the last decade, there was a steep increase in the application of various technologies in financial services by both existing players and new entrants, including fintechs, regtech firms, and other digital players. The drivers are well recognized. Substantial increase in availability and granularity of data, which lend themselves to data analytics and ability to derive better insights. Improved infrastructure, such as cloud computing and APIs. Increased ease and affordability of data storage and exploiting large volumes of data. So the financial landscape and consumers' expectations are changing as well and financial institutions are reinventing to stay ahead. So data gives financial institutions better insights that allow better customer segmentation and product marketing efforts. If done well, financial institutions can predict what customers need or want and offer them even before they ask for it. This gives them the competitive advantage if done well. Increasing regulatory requirements is also a key driver for financial institutions to turn to technology to improve regulatory reporting, compliance, and risk management. This is in fact the, the area that's fueling the red tech space. And we are seeing, in fact, I recently saw a report of a growth in, in the red tech market with about more than a thousand red tech firms globally. And over the last five years, the global private investments in red tech has expanded. And more recently, we talked about the COVID-19 pandemic. It has accelerated the drive towards digitization. Uh, customers are encouraged to adopt online and digital channels instead of physical visits to branches. So in Singapore, a recent private sector survey of retail customers noted that 70% of respondents have used online banking frequently since the start of the pandemic. So we are also embarking in paperless and digital digitization initiatives to faci facilitate remote working arrangements and reduce face-to-face -face interactions. What all this means is regulators like ourselves also constantly need to refine our supervisory approaches. And SoupTech is now a strategic priority for an increasing number of authorities. And the recent FSB report, if you have seen it, most authorities already have in place a soup tech innovation or data strategy or, in the, or are in the process of developing one. So in MES, our soup tech division, which I oversee has an overarching objective of enabling effective and efficient financial supervision through the application of technology and data analytics. And we achieve this by several ways. So developing platforms to provide timely and relevant data and information to supervisors, applying data analytics techniques to identify firm-specific risks or emerging risks in the sector or the system, developing tools to augment surveillance and inspection capabilities, as well as strengthening supervisors' uh, skill sets in data science through partnerships in projects and training. I shall stop here. My three minutes is up. And I'll hand over to Alejandro. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much for that, Bai Hong. 
so yes, moving on to you then, Alejandra, can we ask you to describe the effect that the COVID-19 pandemic has had in accelerating the technology-based innovation for supervisory agencies? And within that, what are the expectations and goals that your authority is trying to achieve from the implementation of SOCTEC? Yes, of course. So um, as Pei has already said, um, we can see that COVID-19 has accelerated technology-based technology innovation and and it may lead to an accelerated adoption, a more accelerated adoption of subtech in all regulatory and supervisory agencies. So uh, you have already said uh, that there have been operational restrictions resulting from COVID. So uh, they have limited entry to supervised uh, financial institutions and traveling. So uh, suddenly supervisors had to be, uh, had to uh, conduct uh, supervisory re reviews remotely. So um, they have suspended on-site on reviews, they have limited them to priority inspections and they have replaced them with uh, remote reviews. So there, has, there is another effect and it is the economic damage that um, results from lockdowns and the reduction of economic activity so uh, this puts some pressure in supervisors to prevent and monitor increases in risks and vulnerabilities of the financial institutions. So um, they need to react proactively to, um, in order to, uh, to, to maintain the financial stability of the financial, uh, of the financial system. So, um, when you are in a context in which uh, operational, uh, in which there are operational restrictions, you need to improve analytical capabilities of supervisors, and you have to enhance surveillance by using technological tools. And this is why subtech becomes more relevant in these days. Um, and you need to gather more granular information. And maybe you will need to monitor in real time, uh, real time data uh, for a timely detection of emerging risks. So um, you will need to be more efficient in processing and analyzing this information. And you will need an intensive monitoring of, of key risk indicators uh, to have and allow early interventions from supervisors. So um, Pei already said that uh, there was um, uh, like a general trend to digitalization and it was before also, I, I can say that it was before, but now is, is leading, this COVID-19 is leading to a more intensive use of, uh, of technology, uh, not also, uh, also for, from the providers of financial services. So, um, now we can see some publications and I can, I can uh, share with them afterwards, uh, uh, share with the, with the audience, uh, that in this period, supervisors have been using new ways of uh, subtech to address uh, some, uh, some, some challenges that they can find. So um, uh, we also have a, human resources restrictions and financial restrictions. So 
if you can have uh, adequate and scalable technologic, uh, te technological tools and solutions, supervi supervisors might be uh, in a better way to effectively engage with these emerging and heightened risks. So um, CMBB uh, has been working in different uh, subject uh, initiatives that I can talk about them later, uh, but we are hoping to have a more effective and proactive monitoring of risk. And we, we are working in enhancing, uh, in enhancing our surveillance activities and we have this enhanced surveillance supervision from March 2020, and we are uh, working in addressing uh, these new risk priorities uh, by remote by using remote supervision. So, subject will be a key uh, tool and uh, for our uh, for two to twenty and two twenty one for the CMBB. Right, thanks a lot for that, uh, Alejandra. So some interesting drivers there for the use of SUPTEC. Uh, let's, let's move on to uh, what exactly you're doing in terms of the use of technology and how that's helping to enhance supervision. So, so Pai Hong, you know, which, which new technologies have you used to augment your supervision of the industry through SUPTEC? And how has that in practice helped to enhance supervision? Yeah, I can share a few use cases of how we use technology to augment supervision. Uh, but before that, I thought useful to highlight the process of how these cases, these use cases are identified and uh, prioritized quite quickly. So MES is an, an integrated supervisor where supervisors of banks, insurers and capital market intermediaries are under one group. And supervisors and inspectors identify areas that we thought would benefit from digitization and digitalization. And there's a difference between the two. If the audience find useful, I can explain later. And in some cases, for example, our inspection processes, we have undertaken a business process re-engineering exercise or BPR to identify pain points and potential solutions. So we have a list of pain points or areas that supervisors will benefit from technology or data analytics. And then we have this SUPTEC team with a diversity of competencies, data scientists skilled in Python, R or Tableau, they're good at visualization, they know AI, ML, network analysis, etc. So we kind of uh, try to map the use cases and the supervisory needs with the SUPTEC competencies and prioritize them based on the impact in terms of contribution to our supervisory objectives of efficiency and effectiveness. Some of these are more transformative and impactful as they benefit multiple departments. For example, the use of tax analytics on financial statements. They can benefit smaller entities like fund managers and security brokers, uh, but they can also be applied to banks and insurers although the specifics of what we look up for in each sector will differ. And similarly, developing a model for predicting financial distress will be useful to different sectors. 
Uh, I will just quickly share a use case and I'm happy to share more if there is time. And it's not really specific to COVID-19 because we've been doing this uh, since even before. And it's a very common use case for both the red tech and soup tech space. And that's for AML, anti-money laundering. And we use a network analysis for, for the STRs or suspicious transaction reports. So our AML department has applied uh, network analysis techniques to suspicious transaction or reports or STR for short, uh, as well as data collected from financial institutions and intelligence from law enforcement agencies. So this has allowed us to identify networks of suspicious transactions or suspicious activities across the financial sector. And this has come a long way. And I personally recall many years ago as a supervisor, I was reviewing the hard copies of the STRs and with no benefit of insights from other STRs filed by other financial institutions or intelligence from other agencies. It is a very silo and manual process in the past. And it was impossible for any individual to review the many STRs filed by the financial institutions and make sense of them without the help of data analytics. So the use of the network analytics tool has helped to identify clusters of individuals and entities that exhibit suspicious behaviors. And this has helped us to target inspections, uh, more focused uh, inspections, as well as follow up by our offsite supervisors with the relevant financial institutions. The data, the data inputs uh, for these network analysis thus far comprise mainly of information from structured data fields in the STRs. For example, the names of persons, the companies, the relationships and the fund flows. And you are working to further enhance this by adding transactional information to these data sets and augmenting it with uh, NLP, natural language processing, to extract information from the unstructured textual data within the STRs. So for example, the narratives explaining the unusual nature of the customer transactions and the relationships between counterparties to incorporate in the network analysis for a, for a richer uh, analysis. So uh, I think to, to wrap up my part, I think, Technology and data analytics have great potential to improve our supervisory capabilities and we're beginning to see only the initial benefits. And I think there's much more to experiment. And this is an area where regulators can come together to exchange ideas and learn from one another. I shall stop here, thank you. Okay, thanks a lot, Pai Hong. And a very interesting specific example there of the use of subtech and data analysis. So turning to you again, Alejandra, um, you know, that's an example of a way in which subtech can go hand in hand with using new and additional sources of data and information. Uh, in that case, analyzing documents, but I know that other supervisors have already begun to explore the use of social media. Uh, so can you give us a bit of flavor of uh, how the CNBB uh, is using data and other information in its implementation of subtech? Muted. So CMBB's effort, uh, efforts to implement supervision technology have started in 2018, so it's recent. Uh, 
Um, but we had to deal with some challenges in supervision. First of all, we have uh, a great number of supervised entities, almost 5,000. So I would say in big numbers, half of them are supervised uh, more com comprehensively in, in the main uh, uh, significant activities. And the other half is exclusively supervised for AML CFT. Um, also, we, uh, we have new supervised entities resulting from uh, the new FinTech law, the, techno the, 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 financial, uh, the financial technology institutions law. So uh, we, it, had, it implied uh, for CMBB a more technological approach for information reception and processing. Uh, according to the nature of these uh, of these new supervised entities, also we have to deal with more than 600 reports for 20 supervised sectors, and it's quite a lot in this periodical report reports. And also, as a starting point, uh, CMB was using some years ago basic tools for analyzing information, so it was not um, a great idea for us. Also, we have, as all supervisory agencies, these limited human resources to, uh, to develop on-site and off-site supervision activities with large volumes of, volumes of information to process. So we really need to do, some, to do something about it. So, um, so we were, uh, so the objective was to improve our capabilities to address all these new challenges and the innovation challenges and emerging risks. So, um, so we saw subject as a way to support our activities. And, and we started with two main areas of, of, of the development of subject. First of all is data collection and the other, and the other is data analytics. And, and CMBB, first of all, started to adapt its infrastructure uh, and improve its analytical skills. So in terms of infrastructure in 2019, we started to develop um, a subject platform uh, that will allow the reception, storage, and processing of um, the automat automated processing of information. So um, in the first stage, uh, we are uh, we will be receiving information from financial technological institutions through application programming interfaces APIs, um, and also we will we'll be receiving um, will storage and process uh, AML CFT large volumes of information that we uh, gather from a from regulatory reports, but also from the information collected from on-site supervision or uh, information requests. So, um, so we will be finishing this platform. We have uh, 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 already be, uh, developed uh, uh, the uh, almost all of the of the first stage of the platform, and we are expected to finish this in 2021. Uh, but in the other field, in terms of analytics, we have been uh, also the platform uh, in the first stage has uh, provided uh, some uh, analytical dashboard, dashboards to analyze these large volumes of information and, and start uh, to with descriptive analytics and then 
to move uh, and then we are, we will be moving to advanced analytics so um, in advanced analytics we have been working in sprints or in uh, or in uh, pilots um, so in 2019 we started a project we and we finished it in in this year in the first quarter of this year uh, to apply big data tools and artificial intelligence into in two business cases. One of them was for popular financial sector and the other one was for uh, financial technology institutions. And we were trying to predict the behavior of the credit portfolio and also do some segmentations and classifications of entities according to their risk profiles and just to monitor uh, the way there were and, and, and identifying some patterns in their activities. Uh, so, and also we are doing some, uh, uh, we can see, we can say subtech labs and we are mostly interested in this phase in COVID-19 in credit risks, um, financial fraud and, and these uh, segmentations of entities to continue with this. Uh, so uh, in this last quarter of 2020, we are starting another project with um, the World Bank and we will be uh, adopting and implementing analytics uh, in three different uh, priority areas. It will be to continue AML CFT risk managing and risk uh, analysis to identify pa patterns and um, predict some behavior. Um, we will be also working in, um, in, in, in credit risk and financial fraud, as I already said. Um, and we will also be developing uh, supervisory capabilities uh, all over the organization because um, what, what happens in some uh, supervisory agencies is that uh, not uh, the knowledge is not spread evenly uh, and you have these small groups or more of more qualified individuals but the but but what we need to do here in the CMBB is to provide all these technological tools and resources for all supervisory areas and departments so that they can use in different business models and business needs. So we have we have been developing a top-down strategy because we uh, we think that it will work for us better, um, and because it has for us some 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 important benefits like data management. Uh, we we can have this. Uh, data warehouse uh, also for cybersecurity and security um, and information uh, issues that we need to deal with. We, we can uh, work in a common infrastructure. Uh, we can have these uh, high skilled uh, groups of people to deal with different business problems. So um, we, we, are, we are now working in these um, advanced analytics strategies uh, in, in these priority areas for CMBB. 
Okay, great. Thanks for that, uh, Alejandra. Uh, some very interesting initiatives there, and clearly some that will take quite a long time to bear fruit, but I'm sure an investment that's well worth making. Uh, let me just, at this stage, um, ask you both one of the questions which has come up from the from the participants, and let me encourage, please, other participants, do please put your questions up on the Q&A uh, icon button. Um, but, there's, but there's one question here saying basically that we can see in the financial sector uh, that firms are making a lot of use of apps uh, around opening bank accounts, information security, client protection, uh, and the like. Um, to what extent can SOPTEC help supervisors to supervise that kind of activity. Um, so, Pai Hong, any, any thoughts on that? Is, is SOPTEC actually a benefit when it comes to supervising some of those FinTech type applications and developments? Mm. Well, I think for this, uh, there are two things we look out for. Um, one is info security and the cybersecurity of these um, digital platforms, if that's what you call them. And the other thing that we look out for, and this is something we are studying quite keenly, is uh, dark patterns. Um, whether these digital platforms, is from a market conduct perspective, whether these digital uh, platforms use interface, um, UX, UI um, that are designed to mislead or trick users into making some unintended choices. So this um, so-called dark patterns uh, is quite, could be quite prevalent in the e-commerce space, uh, at least in, when we studied in, in our jurisdiction, it's not so prevalent in the financial sector space, but it's worth more studying. It's something quite interesting. Um, and we are actively studying this as part of the preemptive supervision. So I think these are some areas that we are looking out for as to the application of technology. Um, maybe not yet, hasn't caught up on, on, on this space. Um, but these are the two emerging risk areas that uh, we are looking at. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot, Pai Hong. And same question to you, Alejandra. I mean, any experience of, of using subtech to help supervise elements of fintech sorry you're on mute so uh we haven't started uh, dealing with apps uh but i think that this there are some publications also that uh, that uh, there is a way to deal with those and uh, so we will need, to, so our fintech, uh, our financial technology, technology financial institutions will be starting to operate uh, in 2020 and 2021. So we will be working in analyzing all these uh, behaviors in this year. So we haven't started yet, but this is a priority because uh, they will start operations and we will be dealing with all these uh, uh, different new ways of, uh, of providing financial resources and we will be uh, using subject for analyzing those, but, but we haven't started yet. Can I, can okay. I add? Please do, please um, do. Yeah. 
So to the extent that these digital platforms make use of AI ML solutions to um, whether to do their customer segmentation or to target customers or to make credit decisioning um, using AI ML. So this is an area where we are looking at as well. So we have developed a set of principles called FEAT, F-E-A-T, um, which stands for fairness. Ethics, uh, A would be accountability, T will be transparency. And we, this is guidance to the industry to say that if you, when you use your AI ML solutions, please align them to these four principles. And in helping the industry to do that, uh, uh, MES has set up a, a consortium and coming up with a Veritas tool, um, which helps the industry to assess their AI ML solutions against the FIT principles. And uh, I think we'll be making some announcements during our FinTech festival and uh, do look up for that as well. So this is uh, an area where we see increasingly even incumbent banks or new digital banks or, or digital platforms are using AI ML to do uh, various things like uh, credit scoring, customer segmentation, something that we are keenly looking into to make sure that they adhere to the, the FIT principles, if that helps. Thank you. Okay, thanks very much. And one question specifically to you, Payong. Um, could you elaborate a bit more, please, on the proposed idea of a model predicting financial distress? Yeah, so we are still exploring this model and I, I think it's a bit difficult because um, in, in we haven't experienced a lot of failures um, uh, here, so I think, uh, it is difficult to pre predict a bank failure, but bank distress, that is possible. So we can um, kind of uh, um, make use of certain factors uh, to, to determine distress, although failure is a, is a bit hard to model because of the lack of the, the, the history. Um, but I must say this is very nascent. Um, and somewhat difficult to do because uh, of data cleanliness uh, issues as well. But just to share, I've seen some vendors doing it um, and it can be quite impressive and, and uh, useful if done well. And I'm really looking forward to a, a model that um, actually gives us a, uh, an alert you know, preemptively um, and I think this model I have seen is uh, on listed companies. And, uh, and if we can see that well, going forward, the listed company indeed goes into trouble, meaning that the model is effective uh, and it is, can be tested and uh, proven, I think it, it can be really a very powerful tool. Unfortunately, we are in the nascent uh, stages of developing this. Um, so hopefully, if there's an, an opportunity, we can share more in future. Yeah, but not at this stage, unfortunately. Ah, okay, thanks very much for that then. So we may have to wait a little while before we get the full uh, response to that question, but thanks for that. Um, Alejandra, moving back to you, you've mentioned a few times in your answers uh, various issues relating to 
the capacity and expertise of the supervisory authority. Uh, so from your experience, what do you see as the main challenges in driving technological innovation by a supervisory authority? And, and what is required for a successful implementation of SUPTE? Oh, yes. So from our experience, um, we have already said that subject can generate uh, several benefits for supervisory agencies and there is no step back because we have these uh, several challenges that we have already listed and we need to enhance our supervisory activity but uh, Subtech also needs the development of um, capabilities and we have to address some important challenges. So I would say that challenges can be grouped in three, for me, can be grouped in three different uh, areas. First of all, I would say infrastructure and data. The other one would be um, human capabilities. Um, and the third one would be um, the to, to have a solid strategy in the organization. So um, in terms of infrastructure, um, so subject agent, so supervisory agencies will need uh, to have enough technological resources to receive, store, process information. But also data is a very important part of it because we will need data quality, standardization, and um, data completeness from different periods of time, from several years, uh, most of the times. Um, and they are crucial to develop advanced analytical models to, for effective prediction or classification. So um, in terms of infrastructure, it can be adapted on time according to supervisory needs and, and advances. So um, you, can, you can start from, uh, from, uh, from, from, from your basic infrastructure and then you can build on that. In terms of capabilities, I think that this is a very important challenge for supervisory agencies because the traditional supervisory profile uh, is more prudential, uh, more uh, financial, economic, they have economical and financial skills, but not really uh, technological uh, and, and um, skills. And they don't, in, in many cases, they don't even know uh, which technological tools are available, how to use them. And so, it's important to understand um, which are those gaps in the organizations and deal with them um, to improve and support uh, supervision. So um, um, supervisory agencies should uh, implement training programs, but, uh, but maybe they should hire uh, new professionals uh, with these new skills or, or be supported with, uh, with an international organization or a private uh, company. Um, also, super, su supervision technology needs a multidisciplinary group of people within the organization. Um, with supervisors because they will bring the business cases, of course, um, IT um, department, data and analysis department, uh, 
like a leading group with cross-functional activities um, and that and they will be uh, also developing these uh, capabilities because um, you might also need data scientists and data engineers and so forth so um in terms of the strategy we have to see that subtech strategy is gradual uh, uh but you need to define it uh, before some some uh, organizations uh, use a top-down strategy, others bottom-up strategies. I have stated before that I think that for a big organization like CMBB, the top-down strategy works better uh, for many issues of data infrastructure and uh, supervisory needs uh, and the spread of knowledge and so forth. So. Um, it's important to have a, a leader or a leading group with strong leadership skills to and have a very good understanding of supervisory needs and also technological tools and have this uh, good coordination with all the team members. So um, another thing that we that that I think it's an important challenge for subtech is that. Uh, Subtech needs to be integrated with uh, with normal or, uh, or or previous processes with internal processes, and it's because sometimes we we have this this subtech project or other uh, initiatives, and they are not really integrated in the organization. Uh, and also another thing in uh, when when supervisory agencies are starting in this process they might have to deal with cultural challenges to adopt subjects so i think that uh, this takes some years um, uh, for organizations to know and they also have to invest in human resources and technological resources so uh, this is uh, something that needs uh, Top management approval, or also uh, the approval from the board. From the board, uh, so uh, so you really need to to state which are your the, the benefits and the objectives of implementing subject in order to to address all these challenges. Uh, so uh, about the effective implementation. So what would be. Uh, so, as I said, a solid and achievable strategy, also assigning adequate financial and human resources for that, um, engagement from top, top management and from all the different uh, involved departments. Uh, it can be helpful to work in sprints or in, in, uh, or in having short-term goals with a long-term vision. <laughs> so that you can advance in a gradual implementation of subtech. Um, also, the roles of the different departments should be clearly defined and benefits should be uh, acknowledged all over the organization and you have to recognize existing gaps and, and capability needs. Um, and you have to adopt uh, the, 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 the kind of strategy that, that better deals with your organization if it's top down as in CMBB, let's do it. And, and also uh, Pei also said that 
uh, strong coordination with uh, with other supervisory agencies. I think that is very helpful because you have you can learn from different models that have been applied in different parts of the world. Okay, thanks for that. Um, very comprehensive list there of the challenges and how you're addressing them. Fai uh, Hong, a, a similar question for you um, from the audience, but asking it perhaps a slightly different way around. What do you see as the main risks to you as a supervisory authority from the use of subtech? And what could possibly go wrong? Well, to the extent that we use uh, AIML models in our solutions, um, what we expect of the industry, we should also um, subject ourselves to, to, to them. So I earlier talked about fit, fairness, ethics, transparency, accountability. So to the extent that I think we uh, deploy AIML solutions internally, we also want to make sure that um, the, the data, the inputs uh, and we use um, does not uh, systematically uh, disadvantage or have any inherent unintended biases within the, the data. Um, and to the extent that um, they affect the FIs, we should be transparent. But I think we have not um, uh, advanced to such a stage, but this is something I think on our, on our, in our minds that uh, even as we subject the industry to such standards internally, we should uh, be able to stand up and live up to such standards as well. So, so essentially also the risk of black boxes, we don't want to create black boxes that uh, um, supervisors, also partly key man risk. Um, when uh, certain people establish or, or build certain models, there has to be continuity and the rest uh, explainability uh, and the rest should be able to understand. And I think when we started out building some prototypes and, and proof of concepts, um, we have some very good supervisors um, who are re really well equipped with the uh, data analytics and programming skills um, to build tools that help them supervise uh, better. Um, but when they leave, nobody could uh, take over the, their codes and nobody could troubleshoot their tools. So, um, we, we learned as we move along and uh, some of these things when we move into uh, so, sort of um, when they pass the pilot stage and move into more production stage, uh, the entire enterprise governance uh, standards and uh, principles should apply to some of these tools. Um, yeah, I hope that kind of share some of the experience that, that we have. Yeah. And maybe just to share a couple more uh, lessons learned is uh, we, we shouldn't automate inefficient processes. So I talked about BPR earlier. Um, many companies, including MES, we have adopted RPAs, Robotics Pro Process Automation. 
And we have benefited from this. We have saved man hours by automating uh, manual processes. Uh, these are useful for quick and easy wins, but uh, my personal experience is uh, RPAs don't typically develop, uh, deliver fundamental or radical changes um, as, as opposed to, to perhaps other types of uh, initiatives. So uh, we shouldn't automate inefficient processes is something that uh, a takeaway that I have. Yeah, maybe I'll stop there. Yeah. Okay, yes, no, great, thanks for that. Um, and one, I think also related question that's come in um, is about the concerns out there with respect to uh, the concentration in the provision of some services. Uh, I guess cloud computing might be an example of that. Um, and I suppose thinking about that and thinking about the uh, use of larger data sets by supervisors as part of their soup tech, it may be that supervisory authorities like financial institutions uh, end up making quite a lot of use of third parties. And in some cases, those third parties will be heavily concentrated players, large concentrated players. Uh, so you share some of the same problems as do financial institutions. Uh, not quite sure which of you would like to pick up on that aspect of the question. Is, is, is there a risk that you're too heavily uh, exposed to a, a large market provider of some of these subtech type services? Alejandra, yeah. perhaps. Uh, no, it's, it's very simple. Yes, third party dependencies are risky. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, it's a risk that we need to, to take into account. Uh, so uh, we have uh, we are thinking about an um, uh, an hybrid uh, 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 kind of a, a model for storing and processing information, just to not to be so dependable uh, dependent of third party uh, providers. But yes, the cloud, cloud services are a very good example of that. Yeah, I think uh, cloud providers, that there is a potentially a concentration issue because we are seeing about three or four uh, cloud service providers, three, three or four big ones that are commonly uh, financial institutions use. And uh, we monitor the concentration risks quite closely. Uh, as for third-party service providers, not for us, but more for the financial institutions, when they um, engage fintech or regtech firms to help the, their own risk management initiatives or compliance initiatives, we make sure that the financial institutions uh, uh, conduct due, di due diligence on these third-party service providers and assess their track record, their reputation, their technical capabilities, their ability to ensure that the data is stored and protected. Uh, we do expect them to do this kind of due diligence, uh, particularly focusing on the data security and info security. Um, yeah, so, so these are some of the expectations that we do convey to the financial institutions when they engage third party vendors. Oh, thank you very much for that. Uh, two interesting answers there. Uh, moving on to something a little bit different, um, a question about the use of subtech for undertaking risk assessments of supervised firms. 
So I suppose one way of presenting this question would be to ask, how far do you think SUPTEC could go in more or less automating uh, the risk assessment of a financial institution? Uh, Alejandra, first So, uh, So, yes. Um, I think that uh, it will not replace all the risk matrix for for CMBB. So we will be using our existing tools, and subject will be uh, very useful for supporting uh, several activities, especially if we need uh, to classify, predict, do this segmentation, or uh, or try to. Uh, analyze behavioral, uh, uh, some, some, some behaviors and patterns in, in, in financial entities, but I, I see it as a complement. Um, uh, so, so how we see it today is you have a business case. I was looking at a question of credit uh, risk uh, and then uh, you will, uh, you will uh, develop a model to tackle these kind of risks. So um, they were asking, uh, how are you dealing with that? So I would say that some months ago, we, we just uh, tried to predict uh, uh, and have some results uh, in terms of predicting past due portfolios uh, uh, according to some uh, risk mate metrics and based on risk metrics and a uh, and some uh, credit information from origination and, and how these uh, behaviors on time and its behavior on time. But um, as we can advance in this kind of analysis, we will be using more and more information to, to improve your models. So you can use uh, analyst reports, you can use more in, in these indexes, um, credit ratings uh, um, uh, and a variety of sources like news and, and, and things like that. Also, you can do this cross-sectoral analysis. So the, the way that we can see it is that we can improve a particular analysis of a particular risk. Um, and you can, uh, you can support a supervisor's decisions and supervise and, and you can have like a deep analysis of, of some kind of, of problematic that you want to deal with. But of course, we will still be using uh, a, um, our, our, our existing tools. We, we have some tools uh, that, that we, uh, think that they are solid, such as our risk matrix and our uh, uh, strategical analysis of the business models of the financial entity. So I think that this is a very good complement and uh, uh, for, for financial institutions that will help us to, to tackle vulnerabilities in a better way. Okay, Pai Hong, anything to add to that in terms of the yeah. risk assessment of financial institutions? So I, I picked up on the credit risk uh, thing that uh, Alejandra shared and I thought, uh, I'm not sure whether it's the same thing, but uh, I thought I'd share a use case uh, from us. 
and uh, maybe the, the regulators on the call can also you know, share their experience. Um, so what we realize uh, when we go for inspections, especially credit risk inspections, right? When we review the bank's credit underwriting, risk management and provisioning framework and processes, we typically have to select samples of borrowers to review the robustness of the bank's uh, credit assessment. And um, we typically take 20 or, or 30, depending on the time we have. And depending on the experience of the inspector and the complexity of the loan of the borrower, it may take half a day to three days to review a, a borrower. So uh, we are exploring and developing a tool to automate the data analysis process by using uh, algorithms and statistics. So um, instead of sampling, we, we want to build an API or some file transfer protocol that will pipe directly from the bank's credit risk uh, management system, uh, get all the information and pipe it back to our own database. So instead of sampling, we now have the entire population of the borrowers and their, and their financials and other statistics. And we feed it through an algorithm and uh, which will then estimate a loan grade. So this is our own challenger model. It will estimate the loan grade and identify outliers. So we compare our, our challenger model's grades with what the banks have. And this will allow us to zoom in on those so-called outliers or, or those disparate ones. Uh, and it, it allows us to focus our inspection resources and attention uh, on the ones that uh, we ought to spend more time on. So I, I thought this is kind of a game changer uh, for us. Firstly, from sampling to full population. And uh, secondly, it allows us to identify outliers and target and focus our resources on those that are of concern. Thanks. Great, thanks very much for that, uh, Bai Hong. And in fact, I think that also answers a different question that was raised about how Subtech might be able to enhance the effectiveness of on-site supervision. So I think you've given a very good practical example of that as well. So as, as we near the end, perhaps I could just ask one final question to you both and ask for answers of no more than one minute each, please. Um, what do you think the use of Subtech will look like in your authority in five years time? So Alejandra, over to you first. So oh, uh, we have started with AML CFT supervision uh, and also with, uh, with fintech um, uh, entities. Uh, so in five years, I think that we will be dealing with all supervised sectors, not, not just these two sectors. And we will have these uh, already in place um, analytical models uh, that, that uh, we can be working on um, and, and we can be using to for an enhanced surveillance. So the way that we saw surveillance before, I guess that it will we will never go back to that. Uh, I think that Pei uh, had raised a very important point. We were analyzing samples. Now we will have the whole pictures of all the universe of information. And um, so we will be 
analyzing full information. We will be using all data available or most of it because this is a very important supervisory issue. Not We are not using all the information in some cases and I think that is a very important challenge for us. And, and we uh, will be uh, having less, maybe we will be having less on-site reviews and more off-site supervision in the following years. I think that 220 is the starting point of it. And I think that this is something that will change uh, the way that we supervise uh, forever. So I think that subject is a very important part of it. Absolutely, thanks very much. Pai Hong, final word to you, please. Yeah, and I'm hoping to um, see more predictive data analytics and something I, I would like to achieve myself. So currently, a lot of analytics we do are more descriptive. Um, hoping that in five years time, things will be more predictive. And uh, um, the other thing is, uh, this is my personal preference. I have been, I mean, we, we are using emails to as our main model to do work. I'm hoping um, in five years time, when we go to the office, we will look at surveillance dashboards, you know, like those uh, futuristic things that we can move around instead of using emails and, uh, and the usual word documents and all, but yeah. Yeah, some lighthearted remarks. Oh, not at all, not at all. So, uh, so a predictive prediction for uh, five years time. Uh, so I, I very much hope that works. Um, okay, well, thank you very much then to both of our panelists, Pai Hong and Alejandra for some fascinating answers. Thank you also to you uh, who have joined this uh, webinar for asking so many questions. I'm sorry we didn't quite get to the end of all of them, but uh, I hope we nevertheless managed to cover the majority of them to your satisfaction. So thank you very much for joining. Uh, we started on time. It was always my intention to finish on time. Uh, so on that basis, now it's back on the hour. Uh, thank you very much um, and have a great rest of the day to all of you. Thank you. Thank have you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.